0: Welcome everyone. We want to say Merry Christmas since next week is Christmas and Happy New Year. 2019 is going to be an awesome year. We've already heard from the Lord that there's going to be some great unveiling to take place in 2019. So I'm truly looking forward to that. What we're going to be dealing with in this series, we're going to continue on the series, the Mind-Brain Connections. But what I want to talk about tonight is the flood of Noah and the building of the ark. And what I want to do <clears throat> before we get to Genesis chapter 6 is just kind of rehearse a little bit and build up to that. In Genesis chapter 1, we know that this is where it tells us in verse 26 that God made man after his image, according to his likeness and so forth. And I believe scientifically as we look at that, what God really did was he took an atom out of Adam. If I can say it that way, scientifically, according to quantum physics, he took an atom, an A-T-O-M, out of atom, he split the atom, he took out of the atom an electron, and that is what brought forth all of life. If you'd go down to your power company, you would find out that the way that they generate power is by splitting the atom, taking the electron out, and that produces the power. And so that is what brought forth all of life. If you're looking at this scientifically, God took out of Adam a rib. The Hebrew says a chamber was taken out of him. Well, what it was was an atom, an A-T-O-M. He splits the atom, takes out the electron, and that produces all of life. Now, Eve, the woman, or Eve, had a thought. Remember, she was told not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So she gets an idea, she has a thought and it's just a thought and how many know it's not a sin to be tempted, Jesus was tempted, he was led of the spirit uh, into the wilderness to be tempted, it says of the devil, but devil there is a reflexive pronoun meaning that the temptation came from within him, he, you know Jesus is the one that said it's not that which is without that defiles the man but it is that which is within, in other words within his thought. So Eve has a thought, and once she has that thought, and it just stayed as an idea, it just stayed as a thought, but once she gave it to Adam, that thought or that idea was then carried out. And, of course, we see that in Genesis chapter 2. Now, it tells us that the serpent, the serpent is what tempted the woman. And, of course, we have been led to believe through religiosity that That serpent was a talking snake, but if we'll look at it this way, when you go into the chiropractor's office or you go into the doctor's office, what you see there is a pole with a serpent on it, and it's called the caduceus. And what it represents is health or energy flowing through the flesh or the body of man, coming from the solar plexus, going up through the the spine, up through what they call the chakras or the energy fields coming to the base of the spine spine, or the base of the brain and throwing open the pineal gland causing the oil the chrism to flow from the pineal gland to the pituitary it's white in color when it begins to flow from the pineal it becomes a golden substance when it gets to the pituitary and there you have the land flowing with milk and honey you are the promised land and you are experiencing the land flowing with milk and honey. Why would we believe that we are only anointed in our spirit? And not believe that we can be anointed within our body. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. The point I'm making here is the serpent represented the woman's flesh. She looked at the tree of the knowledge good and evil. It was good, pleasant, good to taste. She thought in her mind it was pleasant to look at. She thought it was good to taste or would be good to eat. So what was it? It wasn't some talking snake that was talking to her. That represents the fact that she was led by the five senses or she was led by the flesh. And so we can easily see that when we come to this understanding that the serpent on the pole has to do with the energy flowing throughout the body. Same way with the children of Israel. They had complained about the light bread. Remember God told... uh, moses to put a serpent on a pole and as they would look upon that they would experience health you see so we have looked at this in such a negative way all that it was when the serpent tempted the woman was just her flesh because she looked at that tree it looked like good for food and good to sight and so forth so her five senses got involved in that and that is what took place then as i said when she gave to adam that idea was then carried out Now that's what happens with us we get an idea you see in our awareness we mull that over we think about that it takes up conception in the womb of our mind and then what happens we carry it out so what happened to adam and the woman happens on the inside of us it just starts with an idea because the flesh begins to think the five senses begins to look or feel and so the more we think on that the more. The awareness which is a projector projects that out and we end up carrying that out. Now when you get to Genesis chapter 4 that's where we see the scenario of Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel and of course we know that Cain represents the left hemisphere, the carnal thoughts, the natural reasoning, whereas Abel represents the thoughts of Christ. And of course Cain is always trying within us to kill out the thoughts of Christ. Now, when we come into Genesis chapter 6, and that's where I'm going to be reading. But we see there in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4, where there were giants of the earth in those days. It says, and they came in unto the sons of God, or the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. What is that talking about? That is simply talking about these thoughts trying to get in over here. The thoughts trying to, the negative thoughts, the carnal thoughts, the thoughts that we have judging by the appearances, trying to come over here and invade the spiritual thoughts. Now, when you study this out a little bit where it talks back there, let me read that verse once again in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. What that is really talking about is, the daughters of men represent the emotional side. Where the emotions of the five senses try to drown out the thoughts of Christ. And what that produces, especially back here in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4, what that has produced in religion is giant thoughts. Because it was the giants, you see, that were involved with the daughters. with They got involved with their emotions. And so what did they produce but giant false doctrines giant religiosity giant lies and that is exactly what happened to us you see when we came here we came here righteous and holy and upright we didn't come here as sinners we didn't come here as people that were perishing and bound for hell we came here totally and completely righteous and we came here upright and what happened is religion then began to sell us a bill of goods we received that we embraced that And so what happened, we received these giant imaginations, these giant doctrines that tried to convince us that we were sinners and and we were separate from God and we were unholy and we were unrighteous and all of this. And what happened is we got very deceived by that. And you know when you get deceived by religion, you become very dogmatic. It's our way or the highway. It's our way or no other way, you see. And that's what happened, you see, when the emotions, the daughters of men, got involved with the sons of God. It's talking about the five senses, those thoughts ruling and crowding out the thoughts of Christ or the mind of Christ. Now, the next thing that is necessary, and this is what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at the flood of Noah. And we're not going to look at that in its historicity. We're going to look, because what good does that do us to know, well, there was a flood some thousands of years ago. A lot of people died and a lot of people were killed in the flood. What good does that do for us to know that and not look at how that is happening within a people? And so the next thing that is necessary is once we have received, over here to the right side, we have been hoodwinked and bamboozled by the carnal thoughts and the lies of religion, the next thing that has to happen is there has to be a flood. There has to be a flood, and this is what I'm going to be talking about with this flood of Noah. I'm going to apply it to baptism. Now, let me say some things before we go there. There are five stages. I'm going to put this up here. There are five stages. In the Greek, there are five stages of consciousness. Number one is earth. Number two is water, and that's, of course, the flood we're going to be talking about. Number three is air. Number four is fire. And that brings you into the Christ mind that you operate in or that you walk in on a consistent basis. Now, the earth realm thoughts, what are those? They're just the carnal thoughts that we think of, that we uh, mull over in our mind, that, that we... Uh, contemplate and that we meditate upon when we're led by the five physical senses the water then represents as I said baptism the baptism we're going to be talking about tonight it represents the flood we need a flood of truth to come and clear out all of those things that we're thinking of in the earth realm number three is the realm of air and the realm of air is talking about and showing us that we come to a place to where we take no thought And then, of course, the next dimension is the fire. And that brings us into the new mind. Now, in Genesis chapter 6, there was all kind of chaos on the face of the earth. We know the story. I'm not going to read that and go through all of that. But there was all kind of chaos taking place in Genesis chapter 6. In the earth, or in the mind, there was a lot of confusion in that lower realm of the earth. And so what happened is... There was a flood that came about that began to cleanse. And I'm allegorically teaching this. Don't think of this, you know, in a historical sense, but think of this on the inside of us. There had to be, because of the chaos in the earth, this earth realm, because of all of that chaos and confusion, there had to be a flood of water to come and cleanse us and bring us from the earth realm, thinking up to the second level, which is the level of the water. Now, as I said, we're going to be talking about this and applying this to baptism. You know that you can get baptized and get your head wet and your mind still not get wet. You can wash your head in wet water and not have your mind cleansed. And I'm not against baptism. We're going to read some scripture here. In fact, why don't you go to Hebrews chapter 6, hang on to Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to go back there. But what this flood represents is a flood of water that comes to cleanse the inside of our mind. And that's talking about, of course, the left side. And what is that flood? But us putting on the mind of Christ or slipping into the mind of Christ And the flood of the water, you know, Ephesians talked about the washing of the water of the word. Now, let me put another chart up here quickly before we get too far into this. There are different cycles that we think in. Uh, And I know there's another, uh, the gamma one or gamma, I guess it's called. But then there's the beta, and that is where we think 26 cycles per second. That's a lot, right? And then there's Alpha, where you begin to slow down in those thoughts, and you begin to think 14 cycles per second. Then there's the Theta, where it's 8 cycles per second, and then Delta, 4 cycles per second. Now, Paul the Apostle said it this way. I think it's in Philippians or Colossians. He said, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Down here in Beta, 26 cycles per second, we're careful for something. Or thought, have you ever gone to bed at night and you just could not get to sleep because your mind was going 100 miles an hour? And that happens not just at night. It also can happen during the day. This is where you're taking thought for something. This is where you have anxious thought. You're not doing what Jesus said, take no thought. You're having anxious thought. You're having fearful thoughts in beta. 26 cycles per second your mind is going crazy and this is where we have high blood pressure this is where you know we can have heart attacks we can get ulcers because our mind is churning constantly it's constantly going so what we want to do is slow down the mind now I have a a station uh, in my car that I have turned on that's symphonic music and you know when I turn that on and I'm in my car alone and turn that music on I immediately have thoughts my thoughts immediately begin to slow down so it can be done with music it can be done with meditation and contemplation but what we want to do is we want to move from the 26 cycles per second at least to 14 now when you get to 14 you've crossed the Red Sea but there's still some issues when you get to eight you slow down even more that's when you're taking no thought and that's when you cross the Jordan enter into the experience of the promised land in Delta number four. So what we're talking about here is slowing the thoughts down. How do we do that? Not necessarily by something we do in the natural, although music and meditation can, can help, but what the, the perfect way to do this is just simply by us putting on the mind of Christ. By us just, you know, exercising the single eye. Now all of that is going to happen in our experience As this flood, and this is what I'm proposing to you tonight, that the flood of Noah represents the flood of the washing of the water of the Word. Mm -hmm. Remember, we were in the earth realm, the five levels of consciousness. Number one is earth. That's when we're just thinking carnally and earthly thoughts. But we have to move to to the water. Now, this is not something that we do necessarily. It's something that we begin to awaken to more and more. And the more we awaken to this that we're teaching, the easier it's going to be to move from the earth realm to water and then to the air. And you know, when you get to the realm of the air, that's when you meet him in the air. That's when you become an airhead. In other words, you're just thinking the thoughts of the air are the thoughts of spirit. And then you can continue to move on. So when we take our mind and we enter in, we're talking about the water, the flood of Noah, this baptism which largely happens through meditation then you can rise up once you leave the earth and you come to the water then after that you can rise up to the air that's where you meet the Lord in the air and then there's the fire and then there's the mind of Christ that you consistently walk in so the third stage from the water then is the air and then you move up unto the fire and then you begin to consistently walk in the mind of Christ now let me read a scripture for you since i'm applying this here noah's ark to baptism let me read this scripture in hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. and i know you're all familiar with this but let's see what it says here in hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. what are we talking about we're talking about noah's flood we're talking about being baptized this left hemisphere of being baptized with the washing of the water of the word that paul talked about in the book of ephesians But here in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, leaving, listen to this, Therefore, leaving, not staying there, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. And that word should be maturity. In other words, let's leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ and let's grow up. That's really what he's saying there. And then he goes on and he mentions a few. He says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Now, this is the one I want us to see in verse 2. Of the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Now, what does that represent? Well, the doctrine of baptisms, according to Hebrews chapter 6, 1 and 2, would be, number one, the water baptism that we partook in. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I was taught, you got to be baptized in the name of, you know, Jesus Christ. And then I was taught in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And someone come along and said, you got to be, you know, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which covers them all. And I was baptized three times. And all that happened was I got a wet head. But it did not baptize my mind. All it did is cause me, now I'm, I'm not saying it's not valid. I'm not saying that wasn't valid. It is You know, these are principles of the doctrine of Christ. So certainly they were. But what I'm saying is you can be baptized in wet water Mm -hmm. and just end up with a wet head and it not do a whole lot for your mind as far as the washing of the water of the word Mm -hmm. where your mind is concerned. And so this is what we're going to be looking at tonight in this flood of Noah. I'm proposing to you tonight that the flood of Noah if we're going to look at that allegorically, it is the baptism. It is a flood of water, the washing of the water of the word to cleanse our mind. That's good. To have this left side cleansed. And again, it's associated with us slipping into the mind of Christ. Because when you slip into the mind of Christ, what is that? Well, it's the word. It's the washing of the water of the word. Now, let me read another scripture for you in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. And what it says here is that the earth will never be destroyed by water, but it says it will be destroyed by fire. And of course, that would be moving up from, you know, the water uh, unto the air, and then unto the fire, and then fully, consistently walking in the mind of Christ. But listen to this. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt, with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, this word elements, where it says there's going to be a great noise and the elements are going to melt with fervent heat, that's the fire of God's word. The word elements is not things out here in the earth. It's not talking about the earth out here. It's the Greek word stoichion, and it means the first principles. So the fire, when we move, you know, from the earth, to the water, the flood that cleanses our mind, and then to the air, and then to the fire. and, And these are overlapping. All of these overlap one another. What is being burnt up? What is being washed away by the washing of the water, the word, by this flood? What is being burned up by the fire as we progress to the fire? It's the stoichion. It's the first principles of the doctrine of Christ that you read in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, what I want to do today or this evening is focus upon the second stage of consciousness. Remember, the Greeks had five levels of consciousness. They had earth, they had water, they had air, they had fire, and then the mind of Christ. And the second stage is water, which you are going to be talking about tonight. Now, Noah means rest. So what we want to do is we want to change our frequency from the level of the earth vibration. Mm -hmm. We want to bring it up at least to the water vibration. In other words, we want to trade up. We want to raise our level of consciousness from duality, from the earth realm, from taking thought. Uh, We want to get to the place to where we take no fearful or anxious thought. And it's going to begin to happen in the second stage, which is water. Because we need a flood. You know, there's a scripture in Isaiah that says, uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard up. But you know what? They put the comma in the wrong place. What it really says there is when the enemy, being carnal thoughts, come in, comma should be there. And then it goes on to say, like a flood, this is the flood of Noah, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. That all happens within us. See, that's really what that is talking about. They put the comma in the wrong place and it caused us to think, you know, the enemy comes in like a flood and then the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. No, it's talking about when the carnal thoughts, the thoughts from the left side come in, that's where the comma should be. Then the mind of Christ will be raised up as a flood, you see, that's and swallow up all of those carnal thoughts on the left side. Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8 here and let's talk about this this flood of Noah again if you'd ask anyone about the flood or nearly everyone about the flood of Noah oh well you know that happened when uh you know God sent a flood and God told Noah to build the ark and you know for the saving of of his household and so forth and and I'm not going to say that there wasn't something that happened along those lines but what I'm saying is we need to see the allegorical parabolic symbolic meaning of these things Because again, what good does it do for you to know that there was a literal flood? When you can bring it in yourself and you can see that it is happening today, in the lovely here and now, then it will take some meaning on in your life. And this is what is happening. We're in the midst of a flood today, a flood of water. And what is the water symbolic of? It is symbolic, Paul the Apostle said in Ephesians, of the washing of the water of the Word. This needs to be cleansed over here. And the only way it's going to be cleansed is not by a bunch of rules and regulations and doing a bunch of stuff, but by just simply slipping into the mind of Christ. That'll bring the flood. Slipping into the mind of Christ, exercising the single eye, spontaneous meditation and purposeful meditation will take care of that. That'll be the flood. It will flood this left side as nothing will. Now, look what it says back here in Genesis chapter 6 as we get into this, verse 8. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, as I said, Noah's name means rest. Rest from what? Yourself. That's what we need rest from. We need rest from ourselves when we're thinking out there from the left hemisphere, from the natural, you see. And notice it says there, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. See, when one sees, when one sees not by his or her eyes on their head but when one sees with a single eye guess what noah is going to be the result rest is going to be the result now of course this leads to the building of the ark which is what what is the building of the ark that noah was involved in the building of the ark is the building of our mind it is the building of our consciousness if you will see and so that's what we want to see now let me read a scripture hang on to genesis 6 and verse 8 And let me read Matthew chapter 11, Mm. verses 28 and 29. Because it tells us here, and remember Noah's name means rest. It tells us here that there was a rest given, but then there is a rest that is found. A rest given. See, when we were brought here, we had rest. Mm. We had rest when we were brought here. But then religion got a hold of us, you see. And we lost that awareness of rest, but it was still there. Objectively, it was still there, but subjectively, we were not experiencing it. But notice what it says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We all have rest. We came here with rest. And Jesus revealed that in the resurrection. And then he goes on to say in verse 29, take my yoke upon me or upon you. And learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls Now we have rest But we need to find that rest and how are we going to find the rest only one way by building an ark By slipping into the mind of Christ by exercising the single eye now Jesus said I believe it was in the book of Matthew. He said, when you enter into your prayer closet, shut the door. Mm-hmm. And how many know that's not talking about going into a little bitty room and shutting the door and trying to pray? Right. What is that talking about? It's talking about real prayer is shutting off everything from the outside. Mm-hmm. Going into the prayer closet. See, this is the prayer closet. Going into the prayer closet and shutting all of that out, all of those thoughts of the earth realm all of the taking thought shut all of that off in other words go deep within yourself into that secret place right over here on the right side and shut off all the other stuff all of your fears and all of your anxieties and and all of these things that are a hindrance to you shut the door that's true prayer by not looking at things according to the five physical senses, as the woman did in Genesis chapter 1, but seeing with the single eye. And when you see with the single eye, you see every man, woman, boy, and girl, and this earth full of the glory of God. That's what you see. Now, look at verse 11 of Genesis chapter 6. Verse 11 of Genesis chapter 6. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Now, that's what the flood was about. It was about corrupt thinking, which genders what? Fear and violence and chaos and all kinds of things that we don't want to experience. See, and I'm, you know, I'm convinced that the reason we have the tornadoes and the hurricanes and the tsunamis and all of those things in the earth today is because of the corporate vibrational level of the people. Mankind, in a sense, creates those things. The world as a whole creates those things by the frequency or the corporate vibrational level because most are in the earth realm. And so what we see on the inside of us, what's going on on the inside of us, as Jesus said, the man is defiled not by that which is without, but that which is within, within his consciousness, within his his awareness. Now look what it goes on to say then in verse 14. Verse 14 says, Make thee an ark. Make thee an ark. So let's look at this, you know, in a positive way. Noah was told here to make an ark before there was even any water flooding the earth. And what is that symbolic of? That is simply symbolic of the fact that we need to build the ark, not wait till we have a crisis in our life. He began to build the ark while the sun was shining, you see. So we need to walk in this mind of Christ. We need to be exercising the single eye. We need to be involved in the spontaneous meditation when something looms up before us. What we need to do is instead of reacting immediately, we need to put the shut to the up. We need to get silent. We need to get still, even if it's just for a few seconds to just acknowledge the truth. And if we will build the ark. At all times, rather than wait until there's a crisis, rather than wait till the doctor says you have six months to live, rather than, uh, rather than waiting for the banker to call you up and say, you know, you don't have enough funds in your bank account to pay the bills. If we will continually be building the ark, rather than waiting until there's a crisis in our lives, and that's what this represents where it says that God had told him to build the ark there in verse 14. Make thee an ark. And he did that before the storm came. See, so the principle is that we must endeavor to walk in this mind of Christ at all times rather than wait until we have a crisis on our life. Now, the rest of verse 14 goes on to say, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, the pitch here means to seal it up. In other words, don't allow anything in there except the mind of Christ. Seal off anxiety. Seal off fear. Seal off anything, you see. Because what we need to understand is we are the ones that are building the ark. God's not doing this for us. He's equipped us and given us everything we have need of. We're the ones building the ark. We are the ones pitching it and sealing it. We are the ones that are building our consciousness. We have been given everything to walk in this and not wait until there's some crisis or situation in our life. So we need to be building this ark at all times. Now, look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. Now, The word cubit, cubit, a cubit is always 18 inches. Always 18 inches. And there's a a, a number in Hebrew that is, is, it's pronounced, some people pronounce it chai and some say it's che. And what it means is life. And the number 18, 8 plus 1, 18 if you add the 2, 1 plus 8 together, you get 9, which is the number for consciousness. Mm. And it's the number for life, you see. And so, numbers are very significant in the Word of God. Things are measured in cubits. Why? Not just because they're trying to measure, you know, something that is 18 inches. It's not about that. It's it's a symbolic number, it has a meaning to us. And nine is the number, eight plus one is nine. Nine is the number that denotes consciousness and life. Mm. So, what is this talking about in verse 15? Build a consciousness. Build the mind, this, this aspect over here. Allow the mind of Christ to swallow up all of that. Let this over here be cleansed so the two can become one. So this is why he's using, you know, the length of the ark is 300 cubits. That's why he's using cubits, because one plus eight equals nine, and it speaks about consciousness. The ark is about building a consciousness. Now, let me have you hang on to Genesis chapter six, and let me give you two examples of building this consciousness and the first one is in Revelation 13 and verse 18, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 18 and as I said you'll see 18 used throughout the Bible, why? Because the numerical value there when you add 1 plus 8 is 9 and 9 is the number for consciousness and for life. So the first example here is in Revelation 13 and verse 11 or 18 Revelation 13 18 which says, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score and six. And that is what? 666. Six, six. Add six plus six plus six, you get 18. One plus eight is what? It's nine. So what is that talking about? That's talking about the 666. Six, six, six. That's the consciousness of what the left hemisphere represents. It's the consciousness of carnality it's the consciousness of worry and fret and anxiety it's the consciousness of of thinking calmly that's good. so so there in revelation 13 18 we can see the number nine again six plus six plus six is 18 and one plus eight is nine so it's talking about the conscious the lower consciousness that's what it's talking about now in the next chapter revelation 14 and verse one now we see the higher consciousness of the right side And it says, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. And how many know there's the Jerusalem level, there's the city, and then there's Mount Zion. See, and Mount Zion is the highest. So we're going to look at the highest consciousness here. I stood. Or I looked and lo a lamb stood in the mount Zion and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads or in their consciousness now when you take the hundred and forty four add one plus four plus four what do you get nine. well you get nine so you're talking about the higher consciousness mm-hmm. see but the previous verse that we read in Revelation 13 18 is the lower consciousness and you'll see this all the way through the word of God when you see the word cubits It's speaking of 18 inches. One plus eight is nine. It's speaking of consciousness. So it's even relating building uh, building a consciousness in Noah's ark, in the building of the ark there. Now, uh, another one that I gave you a long time ago is in John chapter 21, verse 6, where the disciples were out fishing and they had caught no fish. And Jesus comes upon them and he says, Cast your net to the right side. Now, he wasn't talking about ships, and he wasn't talking about fish. He said, cast your nets to the right side, and they brought in a haul of 153 fish, at one plus five plus three, and what do you have? You have nine, which is the consciousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, Jesus, what was he telling them? He wasn't telling them, you know, he wasn't talking about just fish or boats or ships. He was telling them to right. focus and direct their energy to the right side of the brain. Direct your noatic, okay, Noah, noatic, consciousness, Noah meaning rest, to the right side so you can experience rest. Mm -hmm. Now, go back to Genesis chapter 6 as we move up the evolution to this rest which Noah's name means. Look at verse 16. In Genesis chapter 6, notice how this is built. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above now notice the window was on the top mm-hmm. why because he did not want them to look out sideways at the appearance realm mm-hmm. looking at the storm so it's a symbolic picture of Colossians 3 and verse 1 that says set your affection on things above rather than things beneath mm-hmm. the only place you can look you see as you build this ark is up oh, amen. that's the only place we can look see And so when an appearance realm looms up before us, looms up in front of us, stop and get silent and focus your gaze in the window on the top, which represents the mind of Christ, you see. And even if it's just for a few seconds that you get silent, be still and see the salvation. We see this often especially in the Old Testament, to silence ourselves. And even if it's just for a few seconds, as I said, it's enough to acknowledge the mind of Christ and the single eye. You see, it doesn't take long. Some appearance round thing looms up before you. Instead of, as I said, being reactionary, respond by getting silent so that you can look at that thing from a different perspective, not from the perspective of the left hemisphere, but from the perspective of the mind of Christ. Now, look at verse 20 in uh, Genesis chapter 6. Now, in verse 19, it talks about bringing two of every sort of animal. And look what it says there in verse 20. Of fowls after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come, notice, unto thee to keep them alive. Now, the two here speaks of duality, and that, of course, represents what? It represents the duality of the left side. It represents the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as opposed to the tree of life. And notice the first thing, bring the two, bring two, speaking of duality, of fowls. Now, what is that talking about? He's talking about, you know what fowls represent? You know, have you heard people say, well, you know, you can let a, 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 a bird fly over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest? The fowls here is simply talking about the duality and that which comes into the high place of the mind here to try to get you to not think out of the higher mind, the mind of Christ. That's what the fowls represent. And then notice the next is cattle. Fowls after their kind, every creeping thing after their kind. And then as you go on and you read, it talks about the cattle. Well, what are the cattle? The cattle represent domestic things. What are the domestic things? Well, things you have to do on a daily basis, like your job. You have a husband. You have a wife. You have kids. Whatever you have to do, the cattle represent the domestic things. In other words, what? Don't think in a duality where the domestic things are concerned. But yet we do, we bring, when we go about our daily, you know, job or dealing with husbands, wives, kids, whatever we have to deal with, many times we bring in duality in dealing with those things. Just as with the fowl, it was two. In other words, thinking in a dual, a duality way, okay? And then the next one, notice there's creeping things. That's those little things that creep you out. You ever have anything creep you out? Anything come into your mind, you know, those things that, you know, they're just little irritating things that just bug the heck out of you. That's the creeping things. And what is he saying? You need to bring those things in to yourself. Why? Because they have to be dealt with. If you don't know that they're there, if you don't know the fouls are there, if you don't know those domestic things are there in a duality, and you're thinking in a dual way concerning those things, If you're not thinking according to the mind of Christ in a single way concerning these things, you have to bring those things in. In other words, you have to know they're there so that you know that the mind of Christ needs to swallow them up. See, he was told to bring them in. See, bring in those thoughts of duality, the fowls. Bring in those thoughts of the duality where the domestic things that you have to do on a daily basis are concerned. Bring in those creeping things acknowledge that they're there why so that you realize that listen I can't think out of this dual side I need to think out of the tree of life side I need to I need to slip into the mind of Christ I need to exercise the single eye where the fowls and the domestic things and the creeping things are concerned mm-hmm. But now here in verse uh, chapter 7 and verse 2 we find something that is said that you hardly ever hear people talk about You just hear about, you've got to bring them in two by two. Have you ever heard anyone minister on bringing them in seven by sevens? Well, look what it says in Genesis 7 and verse 2. It says, of every clean thing, of every clean beast, shalt thou take to thee by sevens. Now, what is this talking about? You're to bring in the clean things by sevens. What is that talking about? Well, let me say it this way. When I see the number seven anymore, I no longer just think of fullness and completeness in my spirit. How many know that we were taught years ago in religion that the only thing that is clean about us is our spirit? You are complete. You have the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelling in you, even though it says bodily, they always. You know, they have always taught us in religion that the only thing that is clean is your spirit. It's complete and it's whole and it has the fullness of God in it. And they leave off the body part. Mm. So what I see here, and you know, uh, the body, there's no way that we can be slipping into this mind of Christ and exercising the single eye. There's no way that can happen in our lives without it affecting our physical bodies. Amen. There's no way. You know, I can remember many, many times after ministering the word of God, I would look at my hands and they'd almost be dripping in oil. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a little oil there tonight. What am I saying? I'm saying when we realize that our spirit, seven, is the completeness of the Father and Christ, when we see that our spirit is full of the fullness of God, something has got to begin to take place within our body. It can't help but take place within our body. And so when I see seven, I not only think about the fact that I have fullness and completeness in my spirit, but what this begins to initiate me into in my understanding is that I have solar plexus in my body, and so do you, that as the anointing is flowing in my spirit, Something has got to be happening and being released from my solar plexus going up the spine to the base of my brain, throwing open the right hemisphere, causing the pituitary to produce melatonin that lightens the skin and kills cancer cells and does a whole lot of wonderful things. It has to happen. If it's happening in the spirit, it has to happen within the physical body. Hello, are you still here? It cannot help but happen in the physical body. And so of every clean beast shalt thou take to thee by sevens. What is that talking about? I believe it's talking about the seven nerve centers of the spine. In other words, it has to happen in the spine. It has to happen in the body if it's happening in the spirit. Do you know that every 2,500 years, according to the constellations, and I'm not talking about astrology, I'm talking about astronomy. How many know that before we had our Bible, the sun and the stars declared the handiwork of God? Mm. Thousands of years before we ever had our book known as the Bible, the stars declared mm. the gospel. And do you know that every 2,500 years, there is a new age that dawns upon us, Every 2,500 years, there's a new age that dawns upon us that is based upon the constellations. And we have entered into the age of Aquarius. Mm. Now, Aquarius means what? That's why you get the word aqua, which means water. And remember when Jesus performed the first miracle, when he turned the water into wine, he talked about the six water pots, get them and fill them with water. Go up into the house, go into the house, get the six water pots, representing man, fill them with water, and then he turned the water into wine. And what does that represent? That's the flood. The age of Aquarius is the time now that there is a flood upon the minds of the people and he's turning the water of the word into wine the great joy and we're going to experience and I predict and I prophesy 2019 we're going to see the age of Aquarius expand exponentially and we're going to experience some revelation and some quickening within us like we have never experienced before. Because we have entered into the age of what? Aquarius, the water. Where the water is turned into wine. And that's what's happening within us. That's why this great revelation is coming forth in this hour. That's putting the pieces exactly where they belong. Amen. And we're beginning to understand these things like we've never understood them before. And our spirit is quickening them and making them alive so we can walk in them and experience them. Amen. Now, back in Genesis 7 and verse 10. So it talked about what? It talked about bringing them in by sevens. What is that symbolic of? It's symbolic of we're not just complete. Seven being fullness and completeness. We're not just complete in spirit, but we're complete also in our body, in the earth realm. Mm -hmm. And as as it moves in our spirit, it has to move in our body. It cannot help but move in our body. It cannot help but move in our body there are things happening in our bodies that we are not even cognizant of Amen. and especially as we're moving into these realms and beginning to assimilate this word now genesis 7 and verse 10 says and it came to pass after seven days that the waters were upon the earth verse 12 and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights now what does that mean the 40 days and the 40 nights it's speaking of the four fourfold aspect Of our being which is physical spiritual intellectual and emotional you'll see a lot of 40s in the Word of God you'll see 40 days you'll see you know 40 years there are a lot of 40s that are used and it's talking about the fact that this flood or this water is going to affect us in every area physically spiritually intellectually and emotionally every area of our life every area of our life is going to be affected by this anointing not only our spirit but the physical body is beginning to experience that as never before. Now, finally then, in chapter 8 of Genesis and verse 4, notice what it says here. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. So notice that. The number seven again is completeness and its fullness in spirit, soul, and body. But religion has wanted to separate the body. And say, oh, it just happens in our spirit. Our body's no good. Well, listen, our bodies, our spirits slow down to visibility as well. Now, notice this word, Eret, the mountains of Eret. In mystical language, Eret. Now, I know how I used to teach this. I used to teach it that Eret means the curse is reversed. Well, there's a measure of truth to that. But where was the curse? Not that we had a sinful nature. Not that we had an Adamic identity. Do you know that no place in Genesis does it say man was cursed? Mm. It just says the earth was cursed because of what Adam received in his awareness. But nowhere does it say that the earth or, or that man was cursed. Nowhere does it say that man was cursed. But listen, Ararat simply means, in mystical language, it means sacred land and high ground, which is what? The higher realms of consciousness within us. what it's talking about there the higher realms of consciousness the ark rested see as listen as we build the ark as we build our consciousness as as we build our mind as the flood comes in to cleanse the mind and we build the mind with the mind of christ then we come into what we come into to this rest and that's what noah's name means it means rest so what are we doing Arad has to do with sacred land. We come in. See, this is the garden. See, the right side is the garden. And when Adam and the woman partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says they left the garden. Well, they left the right side. They left that awareness. Because that's the only thing that happened in Adam. Was he took on an awareness of separation. He took on an awareness of being naked. And what did God say? Who told you you were naked, Adam? I didn't tell you that. Now, Look at verse 7 of Genesis 8. Noah sent forth a raven, which means he sent forth a negative thought. Noah sends forth negative thoughts from his mind like, Oh, I'm not going to survive this. I'm not going to make this flood. I'm going to die. Who wouldn't have negative thoughts? You know, even Jesus, when he was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted who would see he was tempted what was jesus tempted of when he was led of the spirit into the wilderness think uh, about this he had fasted for 40 days his hunger returns wouldn't you be tempted to turn stones into bread it was the lust of his flesh and lust is not a bad word lust is not a bad word he was hungry you see and so Noah, you see is saying the same thing we're not going to survive this flood we're not going to make it. We're all going to die. So what is he doing? He's sick. That's the raven that he sent out. He was sending out those thoughts. You know, we may not make it here. There's water all around us. We, we may not survive this flood. And then look in verse 8 of Genesis 8. Then he sends out a dove. He finally starts coming to peace. He starts coming to the, to the right side. And he begins to look at things through the single eye. He begins to look through the only window, which is what? The window of spirit and the window that is above. And then verse 11, it states that the dove comes back with an olive branch. In other words, truth restores peace to the inner being. And the dove, of course, we know is symbolic of what? Our Holy Spirit that quickens the truth. And what does that truth do? It brings us into peace. It brings us into rest. Now, look in chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 21. Noah is celebrating being chosen of god by getting drunk and taking off his clothes and here he's out here laying out on the floor and his son ham comes in and says, hey pop what's up with this and remember then later on ham got into some trouble as a result of that and then it says in verse 21 and he drank of the wine and was drunken and he was uncovered in his tent and we know the story how the other two sons came with the garment you know backwards so they wouldn't uncover their father's nakedness and so forth. But what is this symbolic of? What is this getting drunk, the celebration, getting drunk and getting naked symbolic of? He got intoxicated on the new one. Which caused him to not be affected by all the stuff that was going on around about him. In other words, he drank in the spiritual and he became oblivious to anything in the appearance room. Drunken naked means I am intoxicated on this new wine and I'm no longer seeing out of the eyes on my head. I'm no longer seeing out of duality. I've uncovered myself where God is concerned. I'm no longer involving myself in that which appears to be the obvious. I've uncovered myself to religion. I'm totally uncovered. I'm totally undone. As far as religion is concerned and as far as the appearance rum is concerned, he was drunk with a new wine and he got naked as far as the appearance rum was concerned. And so this flood of Noah that we've looked at tonight, in a nutshell, what is it? It is simply that there must be a flood in us and I called it at the beginning baptism. Remember we're to leave the baptisms, plural. In hebrews chapter 6 1 and 2 meaning what we were probably all water baptized we the second baptism was the baptism of the holy spirit but this flood of noah represents a baptism because as i said you can get baptized in water but still not have your mind baptized so this flood of noah represents a flood as we slip into the mind of christ and exercise the single eye there is a flood of the washing of the water of the word that is now washing our mind Washing this side of the mind as we're living out of the mind of Christ. And that flood begins to cleanse everything that needs to be cleansed out here in the outer realm. To the point, to the point to where we can't even move in that anymore. Because we are so involved. We are so into living from the inside out. We're so into living by the mind of Christ. That this out here absolutely has no power power whatsoever. It has no authority whatsoever. It doesn't even have, remember the ark was pitched on the inside. We're sealed here to where none of this can get in to this side. Remember I said Cain killed Abel, representing the left side, always trying to kill out the right side. Now we've come to the place where the flood of the washing of the water of the Word has cleansed this as a result of us living out of the mind of Christ. As a result of us walking in the single eye. As a result of us involving ourselves in spontaneous meditation when something in the appearance room looms up before us, rather than reacting, respond by getting silent. Silent enough, long enough, to slip into the mind of Christ if you're not already walking in that but slip into the mind of Christ exercise the single eye and as you do you will then be moved up from the water that baptism eventually to the air where you are caught up to meet him in the air and then there's the overlapping also of the fire and we'll talk about that a little bit later but what is it it's, it's all one and the same it's the air it's the spirit it's the fire. It's the fire of His Word. Our God is a consuming fire. Scripture talks about brimstone in the book of Revelation. What is that? It's the Theon of God, it's the fire of God. It talks about the lake of fire. We could associate the lake of fire, we could associate the flood of Noah, we can associate this baptism. All of it can be associated with the fact that there is a flood of truth that is coming that's cleansing the left side. And it's all associated with us slipping in to the mind of Christ. And walking consistently within the mind of Christ. Someone says, oh, I don't think I can ever walk consistently in the mind of Christ. Oh, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. You and I have been given everything that we'll ever have need of to consistently walk in the mind of Christ. To consistently live from the inside out rather than from the outside in. To consistently exercise the single eye. And what did Jesus say in Matthew? He said, if your eye be single, what? It's going to connect the body something's going to happen in the body what's going to happen it's going to be full of light you see and what is that that's the energy that flows from the solar plexus up the spine that's the caduceus up the spine bringing health Mm -hmm. releasing the melatonin when it comes to the base of the brain and involves the pineal gland what happens the melatonin is secreted kills cancer cells balances out the circadian rhythm does a whole host of things. Causes your skin to become lighter. That's why it says if you exercise or practice the single eye, your whole body will be full of light. It even lightens the skin. Does a whole lot of things. They're just finding out more and more stuff today about what the pineal gland really does. And it's all associated with the single eye. It's all associated with the energy flowing up. The seven energy fields or energy nerves, some call it. Some call it the chakras and releasing that melatonin and doing all those wonderful things to the body that needs to be done to the body. So live out of the mind of Christ folks. Exercise the single eye no matter what comes into your life. Determine within your heart, I'm going to just get silent and still I'm not going to be reactionary. I'm going to get quiet and I'm just going to allow this side over here to begin to penetrate This over here. Now, as I said before, there's nothing wrong with this side. God gave this side, but there has to be a priority. It's not to be the leading agency. This side needs to be in the back seat. This side needs to be in the front seat, the driver's seat. See, and I'm convinced that that is the Lord of our life. This is the Lord of our life. As a man thinks in his heart awareness, so is he. Out of the heart awareness flow, the issues of life. So that becomes the Lord of our life. Isn't that interesting? So how important is it? It's very important for us to live from the inside out. Many ways of saying this. Slip into the mind of Christ on a continuous basis. Exercise the single eye. Involve yourself in spontaneous meditation when an appearance realm looms up before you. And even give yourself at times to purposeful meditation. Jesus did it all the time. Every chance he got to get away from the crowds of people, And be alone with the father now he was always in meditation with the father but to just have the silent and the quiet times he did it all the time and if he did it why not us Mm -hmm. amen someone Mm -hmm. says well you know i don't believe you have to do anything well this is not doing something in the inner of the flesh it's who we are already it's just taking advantage of that which we already are see we're not trying to get something because we have all things But we're simply trying to experience that allness that we have been given from the foundation of the world. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the truth, for your spirit. Thank you for the quickening that's going on in the hearts of each and every person that will listen to this message. We thank you, Father, for your love and for your grace. Thank you that from before the foundation, we came here chosen and called and we came here saved we came here righteous and holy we thank you for that revelation thank you father that as we assimilate these things and as we meditate upon these realities we will then begin to experience them as we have never experienced them before we thank you we honor you in the name of the lord amen 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 Amen.